There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello Broncos fans, and welcome to this week's episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch, and I'm joined on the line by our good friend Simo. How are you doing, Simo? Yeah, pretty good. You? Mate, not too bad. Not too bad. As I said to you off mic, I'm, uh, I'm currently house-sitting in the middle of nowhere. I'm not going to give too many details away. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm out and about, and it's not too bad looking after this huge staffy. And um, he's alright. He's I don't know, you've got a small dog, hey, but big dogs, they don't understand that what size they are. And I've hadn't had a big dog for a while, and I forgot that, like, doesn't matter your 50 kilos, mate, he thinks he's 5 kilos. Yeah. Well, yeah, we got Alfie. He's only, like, 14 kilos, a little cocker spaniel. So, um, if he, you know, runs and jumps up on you or jumps in your lap, like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's not. Well, it's like he was... I haven't, I've never had, I've never played with a staffie in my life. I had a big dog when I was younger, but it was a Waimarana. They weren't as big, heavy-chested. But yesterday I was throwing a rope for him, and then in just the middle of playing, it just the way they like move and growl, my missus thought he was going to kill me. Because <laughs> he ran at me and like stepped and like barked, but it was like, you know how dogs run around and jump around? Yeah. It was just in play mode, but she thought it was like kill mode engaged, <laughs> and it was all over. We had, um, this, my cousin did this, but, and this is why you never tell anybody like baby names you're thinking about. Yeah. But uh, his sister, they must have been talking about baby names and was like, oh, I want to name one day in the future I'll have a son and I want to name him Malachi and then he like a day later went out and bought a staffy and named it Malachi <laughs> <laughs> well he saved them from that name for, for a human uh, yeah it's uh but yeah staffies they're solid solid fellas they are I mean um my speaking of bad pet names my um my good friend Edward Smith on the weekend found that his cat was called Roger growing up what a terrible Roger. name for a cat Roger yeah it's yeah, it's not really a cat name. It's a shit name for a human, let alone a fucking cat. <laughs> anyway, enough enough pet and cat chat. Um, my apologies. This is well, not really my fault. I'm getting out of the misses under the boat, but boat, but sorry, bus. But it's it's uh, on me that we are recording late this week. We had planned on recording Wednesday night, and me and Anastasia went out for a uh, for some Guzman about half an hour's drive from my house. Drove out there, had some Mexican, drove home. And literally the moment I turn the car off, she goes, oh shit, I haven't got my handbag. <laughs> and my first immediate panic was like, her passport's in there. So my first thing in my head was like, oh shit, we have to go to the embassy tomorrow. And then my second thing was like, oh shit, I've got to tell Simo. But I, I reached out to you and it took me an hour and a half away to get back. So we couldn't record in the night. We went back to Guzman, did get the uh, handbag and the passport, but obviously the fans aren't here to listen to Passport Weekly, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, those, um, that's out those, bad. 
passports are worth a fair bit too if you're uh, have nefarious intentions. Mate, right. well, mate, and Russian passports not worth much, mate. Nobody wants that one. Oh, well, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> mine was a bit different when I was worried about losing it because it's an Australian passport overseas. They're um, worth a fair bit, Aussie ones, so. Yeah, mate, but uh, we... <laughs> Luckily, we got it there because I was just thinking, like during coronavirus, losing your passport right now, and she's in the middle of like visa applications. It's like, yeah, this is fantastic. This is yeah. goddamn superb. I was thinking, and I, I, I didn't speed on the way there, but I, 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 I didn't respect the rules of the road. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't just ring the store. Oh, we tried, mate, and she eventually got onto them after like I was more than halfway there. Okay. But I, I called it first, and they didn't pick up. And then I and then I called again. Like it was like first, it's like press for delivery, press for general inquiries. I called press for general inquiries, nothing. Press for like I've ordered food, nothing. And then I'm like, screw it, I'm driving. I just drove, and then she started calling. And eventually they picked up about halfway there, and they and they got her bag. But um, yeah, here we are. And I guess um, you know, I thought we maybe would have cooled off. Uh, after the Roosters' loss, but I, I still haven't called off. <laughs> giving us time. But essentially this episode, we're not really going to review either of the... We'll talk about both games that we just missed. The, uh, the 59 nil from the Roosters and the 20-18 loss to the Seagulls. We won't really give either a full review. I don't think the 59 nil game deserves a review. And we haven't really got a full preview for next week's episode either because this is recorded a day before team lists are out. But this is what we're playing with. You get low effort team, you get a low effort podcast, okay? So we're gonna do um gonna do questions first and yep. then um we'll do a bit of Broncos news and then just chat a bit about the games how they've been. Right, yeah. Um there is just a pile of questions, I guess because it's about a week old at this point. Um some of them mightn't be relevant, but we'll just see how we go. Uh, starting on Facebook as always from Stephen Carter, he said, Do you think the reason we're not winning is because I'm not drinking the Milton mangoes while I'm watching them play? I'll get someone game day and see if it helps. Mate, look, it can't help hurt. You know, I'm not a superstitious person, but I'm desperate. (laughs) (laughs) Um. By the way, if you don't know, okay, I guess you have to know what a Milton Mango is to be listening to this podcast, but other fans are listening for our misery. He's referring to Forex Goals, okay? So, welcome fans of the Roosters and Knights and and whoever else is here. Butsy, g'day Butsy, you're here again, but yeah, it's uh, Forex Gold he's talking about. Um, from Matt Weston if Seabold was told he could test himself on the open market what would he be offered and why is the answer $36.50 in a packet of Tim Tams mate I'm shocked you get an offer I'm shocked you get the Tim Tams that's it mate 100% like um, he, I don't know if he'd get an offer if he if he was available right now like I know there's some teams with poor coaches that are, that are might be out soon like you know there's Paul McGregor who might lose his job quite soon Maybe Stephen Kearney loses his job soon. I don't think so. I take Kearney over Seabold, by the way. But anyway, there's him. There's John Morris at the Sharks. There's Dean Pay. I don't know. I don't know if any of them would jump onto Anthony Seabold's track record. Um, I don't know if he'd get a job straight away. He'd get one the year after. Probably get one eventually. Uh, like, yeah, you're right. All coaching's just a merry-go-round of old has-beens. Yeah, well, it, is. it generally takes yeah. like failing. Actually, it takes like failing twice to be to be done, doesn't it? Like, you know, they wouldn't call the South tenure a failure. So, it'd be like this would be one failure, then another one. Um, from David Ryland, I see Boyd as another winger who he won't pass the ball to. No wonder Oates ended up in the second row. Um, 
from Jimmy Ma. Brad Thorne still looks fit as. Surely we can pay him more than the Reds to come be our captain coach. Um, he's done a terrible job coaching the Reds, so <laughs> I'm not, yeah, but that's the Reds. It is the Reds, but uh, it's Aussie rugby, and he, you know, he let good players go with that weird drawing, that weird line in the sand, like Quay Cooper and similar. Carmichael Hunt, you know, they they left, and then yeah, this haven't they haven't been good. I don't want Brad Thorne. You can't tell me if you hired him as the captain coach. And was like, you don't get to make any personnel decisions. You just pick the seventeen and coach them. That he yeah. wouldn't be better than Seabold. He'd probably be more inspiring. I think you might make a point there. Like, um... especially like he used to play for the like he played for. The, if we're if we're bringing back the old boys, he's one of them that played here in the golden era. Yeah, I mean, I know. Like, I'm getting more worried. I'm I'm really scared of say if we punted Seabold this year or next year. I'm really scared of, of us, not even just that, us becoming the Bulldogs and saying what, doing what you just said, bringing back someone who just understands the Broncos. <laughs> and it's like, no, the, the guy who understood the Broncos and built the Broncos got sacked twice. There's no one else who understands them more than that. It's The way forward for this Broncos is not bringing back an old boy, unfortunately. Like, And uh, I'm very, I am very scared of the next coach just being straight default to Kevy or similar ilk just because they were a Bronco. We don't even have like a sexy catchphrase like "dogs of war" to shout out when we bring back one of the old boys. We don't <laughs> like at all. <laughs> um, from Michael Patterson, I'm a long-time Broncos supporter, but Boyd seriously needs to be cut. No disagreeing there. Scotty Jim is Oates going to the second row because Xavier suggested, or just to get Bambi off the wing, <sighs> mate. Like the thing that really killed me about that, and he and he, he played fine there, and I thought he would, but what killed me is like. I don't know why that didn't happen. If that was going to be the stopgap, why it didn't happen the week before, and why we and everyone's talked over this now. I don't want to keep saying the same things everyone's heard the last two weeks, but we went in. It just feels like we went into that game at the Roosters to lose and didn't seem to really care what we put out there, and we accepted a loss before it kicked off, and it just annoyed me that we didn't seem desperate to win that game, and then this week we seemed desperate to win, and we put we, then we put Oates in the back row. And um, Offhand Garbley in the back row, and it went better. They like neither of them were exceptional, but they weren't as poor as Bullmore and um, Hopewadi were there. But it just it just feels like last year, mate. Like we've been through this many times. A few weeks ago, when we first came back, I think fans have got forgotten a lot about the bad times last year. And we won the first two games, and me and Simo got asked, um, you know, are you on side with Seabold now? And I think you, Simo, the first thing you mentioned was about the positional switches all last year. Like the coaching thing, and it's like this is the same thing now. Hey, it's like every week feels like we're playing for the ga- the one game in front of us. It's like what's the plan? So Stags is apparently injured this week, which apparently is moving Glenn to the centres, and then Oates stays in the back row. So what happens next week then if Fafita's back, and what happens the week after if Stags is back? Yeah, it's just like we've said this before, but. I just you never know how much to give him credit for the good decisions that happen because I'm not sure how much he's thought it through and come to that conclusion himself or like you throw enough darts at the ball you're going to hit a bullseye eventually. That's it, mate. Like you know the the move of the Sarkos, the one you re- one of the ones you're referring to, it was a good move. That was like he threw a dart and it just stuck eventually. But we have to have to go over all of them again last year. But we know Milford went to fullback. Boyd went to six. We know they didn't work. Turpin played seven, and he played okay there, but he's not a seven. 
Fafita was on the bench forever until he got opportunity because of injury. He got stuck there. Pangai wasn't playing in the, on the edge either. He was playing in the middle. Then he got on the edge because of injury and it worked out. Like They just felt like by accident a lot of the time with the good ones and the bad ones. Obviously, not by accident, but they didn't work out. And then this year, it feels like the same kind of slapdash philosophy and things like going into, going into a game against the Roosters and knowing you were going to play Tessie Nui at hooker and you thought that's how you're going to win that game. Just can't, can't get my head around that. And the same thing last week when we brought on Tessie New. And if you ask... I don't want either of them to play hooker. But if you ask me if we have to have two players to play hooker, it, remove remove who they are as well. So we had two fullbacks in our team. One had played 72 minutes of fullback. One came off the bench. If you ask me who I would think would play better at hooker for the next eight minutes, I would say the one who just came off the bench because he had some energy. But last week we threw an, a, a, an exhausted Osaka window hooker in that period, and he just—it looked like an under-14s game, mate. He just picked the ball up, stood and passed whoever was next to him. There was like no structure for the rest of it. Like all this stuff—it's like what I don't know what the decision-making process is. And it's like Oates is in the background now, played all right, might play well there next week, might play well the week after. But then what's the long-term? What's long-term there? Like if he goes back to the wings, well, what was the point of him playing back row, especially? Like, and then. If he doesn't, he's going to turn into the bench utility easy until Herbie Farmworth gets dropped or Coates gets dropped. I don't, I don't get it. Even like Onisako too, we've got to the right spot now, but he threw darts at everybody else. And it took one going wildly off course and jamming into Bird's knee who then went and put it in, like, put it into the bullseye himself. Like, he never, ever was getting to that decision. because yeah. And based on, like, 13 minutes of nines football that he didn't even see live. Like, you know, he wasn't over there, and he's like, yeah, Boyd's preseason form has been terrible, and we're playing Bird there, who then got, yeah. like, caught out of position by the Capras. Like... Mate, 100% there's that. And then um, I've forgotten, but the the way he treats that hooker position, I've forgotten about this one, but he played Katoni Staggs there last year as well in those periods for, like, 20 minutes, remember? It's like, I don't get it. Like, how he didn't go... I know Corey Pakes was filling in at hooker and there's injury to Jake Turpin. How does it how do you not just put Tom Deaton on the bench and just see how that goes? A guy who actually knows how to pass the goddamn football. Oh well. Yep, yeah, right, moving on. Hmm. Um Oh, just because with Xavier Coates too. Hmm. I don't know how he could catch the ball. Literally every single time he caught the ball that was kicked his way. It's yeah. just Yeah. I mean, okay, we haven't got a question about that yet because that happened before that game. I will say that that's one I, I would have been wrong on. I didn't I didn't think he'd be ready for first grade this year. He looks like he's filled out a lot over the off-season. Like, and, and obviously, the aerial ability was always there, but I thought he was a bit of a liability on the other side of the ball and in yardage last year. He looks to have improved a lot. Then it also makes me question again, if the guys who saw this all pre-season... I have no idea why he was behind Jesse Arthurs at, at, at all, or behind even Farnworth. Like, and I heard the reason he said he was behind Arthurs is because he thought Arthurs is a bit older. Okay, Mr. Experience now. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, yes, again, like, he's got to that spot with Oates on the wing, uh, Coates on the wing, sorry, and like, but his first choice was always Arthurs because he was mates with him at the Rabbitohs or wherever they and he, were. And he's a little older. Even, yeah. But he wasn't really many, much more experienced. He hasn't played that much more foot, like high-level footy. Right, uh, from Travis Driver, he said, hot take, they're sandbagging. I haven't figured out why yet. Um, 
I don't know what sandbagging is. So Tanking, I'm, I'm guessing you're saying. Maybe. Yeah, uh, there's no draft, so I'm not sure why. Not sure why either. Maybe to bring down contract values. I mean, it doesn't work when you just re-sign everyone for 800k anyway. So Correct. <laughs> With player options. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nick Shipper, what's worse than having a cricket sp- score put on you or being held to zero at Suncorp for the first time ever? Oh, that's a hard one. I've literally seen opening sessions of test matches with less runs than that forty nine. Yeah, like, uh, like I don't, I don't know. Like we've done so so well to keep that uh, record at SunCorp intact over such a long period of time. Fifty nine nil has to be more embarrassing though. Like even when we got pan, like even when we lost forty eight eighteen when Wayne left, at least we scored bloody eighteen points. <laughs> and like. With how games can blow out too, I can't remember like when the points were scored at the end of that game. That's ages ago. But you could have a game end forty eight eighteen, and ten minutes earlier it's like thirty six eighteen. Like it's a lot closer, you know. Yeah, this game was twenty nine nil at half time. <laughs> it was um, okay. And like the thing is also too, you got the fifty eight nil in the finals. You got the fifty nine nil here. Like anytime I have. a have a go at someone online I'm looking up like the Broncos biggest score against them and be like oh look at Andrew John's last game against the Broncos 50 to 6 like how good is that you know like these games are here forever yeah they are 100% mate it's just um, it's it's tough to cop that kind of stuff and as you know before this we we never really been a team that got thumped even in our worst years we didn't really get thumped like this and uh, it's it's hard to wear when you score bloody zero points from Scotty Jim, he said, how much would it cost to get Phil Gould to coach? My life. <laughs> I, um, cost. I mean, I don't know how sad this is, but I'd give it a go. <laughs> oh, mate. Again, I just... One of the things, like, I don't have any faith in Seabold, and from what, as you guys know, but for, from what I see every week, I don't know, I don't think the t- players have any faith either, like... If you're going out there and you're putting in for that coach and you don't want to embarrass the coach or team, we don't get those losses like we do. And that's why, you know, some there's definitely teams where you think that, you know, worst football teams in this competition right now who'd never get beaten like that because they get stuck in for their coach. And I'll tell you one thing, if, if Phil Good was the coach, they wouldn't quit quit on him like they, they have quit on Siebes a few times. Plus, even just think about it from the good PR angle. Like, if all of his agendas are there, like, working for whatever works for the Broncos very true it'd be and then he'd be like I want to outdo Wayne Bennett so we need to win seven premierships so he'd be coaching till he's a hundred I'd take a shot at (laughs) (laughs) we're desperate man Uh, from Paul White what's the best thing you saw T.O. do for the Broncos Mitch I know you can remember I I don't know what I say the best thing is individually (sighs) I always loved when he obviously smashed blokes, but when I went and rewatched a lot of the games over the over the coronavirus break, I actually forgot what of a game breaker he was with the ball in hand for us. I forgot how good of a ball runner he was early on, and, and how quick he was, and how good he was both in the back row and when he'd fill in in the centres. And I, I think we missed, um, and we we have them now, but we missed for a while. They're having a dynamic forward like him who could change the game on both sides of the ball. And he's not going to be that player for us now. He's just going to be an experienced veteran on the, off the bench. But uh, he definitely when he when he left, I don't think we really understood the quality of player we lost. And when he went to South, I mean, he he was still the same player, but 
he was he was you know a bit more of a key player there than he was behind like Glenn and Gillette at our club, and then I think that's when a lot of Broncos fans realised the quality of player that went to South when he went there and was you know pretty much the reason why they won that prelim final before the grand final. Yeah, uh, Amanda Long said I've seen a few Facebook fans suggesting a straight swap Milford for Benji. Thoughts? Facebook fans suggesting that. I mean. You've got rocks in your head. Benji, Benji's in reserve grade right now. Like Benji, I, I, I wish we kept Benji when we did, but people bitch about Milford's defence, even though it's not actually that bad and all that points go down the other side of the field. Let's see what happens if we had Benji where he, where he is. Uh, Jaden Ed, Edmonds, he said footy tips. Who do you have? Well, too late for this week's, but, mate, I, I went right off a cliff. Like I was going so well the first three rounds, but... I've gone right off the cliff. Uh, next game, I'll do next week's for you. Uh, God, I can't, believe, I can't believe we're playing the Knights. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just it looks like we might be extended. They might, we might go three years without beating them at this at this rate. Um, I feel like we beat them with our full troops. Just because I just do, but um, I'll tip I tip us in that. Uh, Rabbitohs over the Warriors. Storm over Panthers. Oh, God, that's juicy. Dragons, Titans. That's definitely one to turn Super Saturday on early four. That is. God, I, I might go Titans. I don't know. These are too early. Uh, Tigers, Cowboys. Uh, probably go the Tigers. If, uh, Roosters, Eels. Roosters, Raiders, Seagulls. Mm, I want to do Seagulls. I'll say Raiders. And then, yeah, Sharks, Bulldogs. Another scrap fest. Sharks. There's my yeah. unthought-out picks. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd go Titans over Dragons. I think that's what you yeah. said. Yeah, the Cowboys have a couple of injuries now. That's why I'm thinking uh, Tigers over Cowboys. They've got McLean out and Val Holmes out. So I'm thinking Tigers in that one, yeah. Warriors might beat Rabbitohs. They might. They might do that. And at least, yeah, there's a team who's saying, like, it looks like they're playing for that coach at least there, huh? Look yeah. at the talent on that on paper for that team. There is none this year. The Sharks Bulldogs is a coin flip. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think the Sharks will do it. I'm not confident though. Uh, Dale Chester said, "What's with all the milf hate and why isn't Boyd being dropped for the guy coming when the guy coming second in the Dalian medals has been dropped?" I mean, the, the milf hate. There, there is some warranted milf hate. There is like, I, I I generally default to defending him because I get sick of how far the hate goes. And there is some warranted hate there that, like, you know, even in this week's game, I thought he was really good against Manly. But the, and I know his role now is not to be the on-ball dominant half. That's supposed to be cross-roll or similar. But after this many years of being at Brisbane and being supposed to be the man or whatever, you would like to have seen him a little more involved in that last 10 minutes. And I know we want him involved. For me, I want him involved as a second receiver because that's where he's good and damaging in space. And we did get the ball at second receiver there. That's when DCA had to slap the ball out of the air. But you just like to see him, you know, demanding the ball in that position. You don't have to go on first receiver to, to demand the ball, but telling Croft, get me the get me the bloody ball, or telling, you know, whoever was playing Booker, it's like, get me the bloody ball. You want to see that, and that didn't happen, and I think that's a lot of the Broncos fans' issue still is that he doesn't step up in those moments. But the defensive stuff is is, is as overrated as it, as it comes. I mean, in this game, again, he put a couple of hits on against Manly. No, no half is a good defender. It's just, they're just not. But he's not in the bottom half of defensive halves. No, he's. I've never really had a problem with his defense as far as halves go. Like they all get run over every few weeks. It's just yeah, a fact. because they're half the size of the second row is running at them, and 
like whole attacking game plans are set about getting a half one on one with your second rower. So then, they're, yeah, they're not going to make every tackle there. It's an indisputable fact of the last four seasons that the other edge of our team has just conceded more points than Milford's edge. Indisputable fact. It's that's just the numbers. Of, that's it. That, that's in the right. That's the other edge. He's not the worst defensive half in our team. But people are stuck on the price tag too. Hey, they can't get past it. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, in the end, that's it's been paid for. Yeah, what are you going to do? He just so, seems to me like Milford is just the perfect player if you have a side that's set up and works well for like him to be kind of the cherry on top piece. Yeah, which obviously is not our team, and I don't know some people don't like that. But if you've got a side that's solid. Like, if you put him... Obviously, the Storm's a great side. Yeah, and the Roosters also... But they know how to do their job. Like, their second rows are doing their job. They, they're organised and everything. And then if you have Milford could just be walk, like going around there doing... Playing what he sees and making stuff happen, it would you'd see 2016 sort of form from him. And But our team... Like, you look on Facebook for five minutes and you find a post bagging every single player in the side. The whole side is just a rabble. No one knows what they're doing. Mm. There's no structure. You watch them attack a set on the line and it's just absolutely nothing about from hit-ups like straight at the post for four tackles. Nobody has a clue what's happening. Croft can't put a kick in to save his life. The whole thing's just a disaster. It is. And then he's somehow supposed to succeed in that or other guys. Like We know for the last two years we've said it's not a good team. It's individuals that are good and the good things happen. But it's it's so rare we score like a nice planned try or a nice planned set. Like it, it, There was a set in the end of, this, of the game against Manly. We got those two six-agains. And I mean, we didn't want six-agains. Ridiculous. We obviously would want, want a penalty. But we got those two six-agains. And it was like nine tackles. And it took us to the last second last tackle that it, of that entire set. Or was it last hour? I can't remember now. But to, to put a play on. The rest of the set it was forward hit-ups. Because no, we couldn't, we couldn't organise a dog's breakfast. We just kept going one out, and then a, twice um, Osaka gave the ball to Croft, and Croft threw it straight back to Lodge for a hit-up. And it's like, it, that's it. It was so poorly organised. We don't seem to ever be working towards the point down, down the field or working on anything. And then the very few rare occasions we do set for a play, like, for example, there was the kick on third tackle very early in the game. We are running that play no matter what. It's like, that, that grubber through was not on. Manly had covered it, and we just kicked. Prof kicked it anyway. It's like, and we never set anything. When we do, we we are doing it no matter what happens. And I know Milford, like, you want to see him play better, and we all do. And he will have good games again this year. And he won't probably won't lift us to another level as people want him to be. He's not that that dominant half people want him to be. But as you said, if he was put in a system to succeed, like the Roosters, like at at, at Melbourne, like at even at Manly, when he was stripped back into this is your defined role he would be carving it up right now. And I think that's going to be the hard thing. If he ever gets kicked out of Brisbane, he'll most likely succeed elsewhere. You know, And probably helps he would uncomfortable off the field elsewhere and not in his actual environment. But I feel like it, you know, if that ever happens, he'll probably do well elsewhere and people will just hate him even more then. <laughs> yeah, most likely. Um, yeah. Just on to, like, with, you see how our sets are structured and stuff, but then you go back and look from when Kronk was at the Roosters and then the Storm also... Like, you'd see they'd get a penalty, right, and they're going to kick for touch. But, like, before they even kick for touch and started that set, mm. he's, like, every player on that team in that Roosters side would know what play is going to happen one after the other, where they're aiming for on the field, and what play they're going to run after that. And, I mean, I don't, I've not seen it happen, but I'm sure also if, like, 
the defense adapted and slid numbers to the side they were going to run, they'd play something different. Like, they wouldn't just run that same play still. Well, yeah, and that's the, that's the polar opposite of our side, obviously, because you've got Kronk. Yeah, the good roosters of the last two years, mate, you watch them, and they have they, they were very structured, but they moved so fast that people didn't think they were structured. But what you just said there was 100% right. There was options both sides of the ball almost always, and they made good decisions. Our team was like, we are stuck in the middle of the field. We don't know where to go but up the middle, and it works sometimes when you when you want to go through the to and fro, but it, it just at the end of the, when we're trying to chase points, it's terrible. Like we don't know how to stretch teams, don't know how to don't know how to work to one side and then get quick ball movement out to the other side. We can, the ball movement is so bad. We can't get the ball across the field, hey, like at all. We can't go from one side to the other without stagnating. Yeah, but like with the side we've got too, when you've got everyone fit, Lodge, Haas, Fafita. Pangai, like you'll have games where you just steamroll the other team and yeah, you win cool. based on just the forward pack. Like it's obviously a good forward pack when everyone's there. Yeah, it's hundred percent. We will have those games, but that's just why this like I still won't rate this team when it comes to business at the end of the season because like when there's plan A or like, running over them doesn't work. There is no plan B. No. Uh, right, Vince Berlingeri. I'm sick of Seabold's excuses. It seems the only things he studies all week. For, to prep for a game is to think about what smart stats he can come up with for the press conference after the games. Effing bullshit, if you ask me. Oh, they're embarrassing, hey. Like there was imp- the the Sydney Roosters press conference when he turned up with all those numbers, excuses of lo- of losing, and then we found out that somebody senior at the Broncos, Ben Iken didn't name him, but somebody texted the experience numbers around to all parts of the media as excuses. Like that's just pathetic. Having that ready to, to lose that game. Uh, but I yeah. mean, there was a really good article, by the way. My my friend Nick Camden wrote it last week about the uh, the, the demise of the Broncos or coaching the Broncos right now on um, on Daily Telegraph, Campo's Corner. I suggest Broncos fans give that one a good read because it um it nails a lot of things me and Campo have spoken about together, and it's me and Sim I've spoken about on this podcast as well, but in a far more eloquent way and from a neutral's perspective. And I think uh, you know it's that's a good read and, and covers a lot of these things of what the clubs become now. Yeah, I thought it was really well written, easy to read, and just yeah, nailed just about every point. Yeah, irrelevant to that, but he he actually DM'd me after that, and he and he brought up one thing, and he said we spoke we were speaking about recruitment and how we slum it up, and we've said this before on this podcast again, but how we how we talk about how the we could be doing what the Roosters do, but instead we just don't because we've got terrible retention, we retain everybody. But he brought up Brody Croft signing, and he just said you know, brought the Broncos slummed it because they didn't have to. Like we're better than that. Brisbane, but he said Croft is a good case example case to examine of how the Broncos and their surrounds have totally fucked themselves. One, they sign Croft. Two, he gets the media hype because he's a Queenslander. And the stupid Cronk comparisons are easy, and they can bring out the he's a new Langer bullshit. Three, they're making captain to empower him. Four, they ask him to do a job that they know he cannot do, and they should know he cannot do. Five, he fails because of course he does. And six, they're four games into the Brodykoff era and it's already over. And seven, yeah. it was a perfect combination of hype, stupidity, and the Broncos thinking they'll get it right just because they're the Broncos. But at some, to- some point, they thought they made smart decisions because they were the Broncos. Not that the Broncos were what they were because they made smart decisions. That's exactly it. That bit yeah. there. And this is what I've always said too. Like, people have always gone, oh, we, we should get a second side in Brisbane to help even the Broncos out, you know. And like I've always said, it doesn't matter. You could have a thousand rugby league sides in Brisbane and if the Broncos had have kept making smart decisions like they did at the start, it wouldn't matter how many sides are. The smart sides are going to be great no matter what. The Roosters. Yeah, there's 
eight other rugby league sides in Sydney and the Roosters are still the Roosters because they make smart decisions. Like, GWS got put in Sydney in the AFL and the Swans were still great for years and years and years because they were making smart decisions. It doesn't matter what sides are around. It matters you make the club as good as the Broncos were based on the decisions that club makes. That's it, mate. Like, 100%. And, that, and that's where the, like, I think the club got lost in there at some point around that. Like, you know, what came first? The Broncos or the good decisions? It was the good decisions that came first. And I thought that nailed it. And, you know, Brody Croft was just... And we've been against that signing since day one and fans are coming around now too. And it's not even because I dislike him as a player, which I did anyway. But I totally dislike what we, what we, we bought him to do because it doesn't suit his, suit his skill set at all. He's clearly not a leader. He's clearly not a game manager. His kicking game is garbage. And like it's just he can run the ball okay-ish. That's about it. And then we just stuck to it. We're gonna keep doing it for ages. And he's a co-captain and the you know, I've I do not get this either. We've got two co-captains we threw to the wolves, but Matt Lodge is the one fronting the press conferences and the one talking during the week. Like, did we just make him the captain without saying it and didn't have the balls to make it public? Like, is that yep. what that was that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. And like oh, we've gone over this before too, but this is why another reason why I would have loved for say the last year of Wayne Bennett and then Jason Demetrio after that and Wayne Bennett like staying around the club because I think if he had a position at the club I think he would help them make a lot of smarter decisions than they're making now yeah and I mean the halfback stuff's been been embarrassing for our club for a long time now like you know me, me and you both know as well as other Broncos fans do is that even in our youth post Alfie and Kevy. We've, we haven't found a way to, to get, develop another half or even sign one with all our, our pulling power. Like we had Brett, we had Scott Prince and he broke his lead. We let him go. Then we used Brett Seymour alongside Lockyer. Didn't like that. We brought in Peter Wallace and he was okay, but he wasn't what we thought he was going to be after a while. And we, we got rid of him. And Lockyer moved on, so we, we had Corey Norman and that wasn't great. And then we, had, we tried John Moon a bit earlier, but he played centre. That wasn't great. We eventually we brought back Scott Prince that didn't go very well. We eventually used Ben Hunt and it worked for a couple of years. And what, what a surprise, when we had a decent halfback, the team made a grand final. And then we let Ash Taylor go and then Ben Hunt left. So we tried Cody Nicaremo and that didn't really work. And then, oh, uh, well, when we try the next year after that, we'll let Cody go and we'll try this kid who got injured and then we'll try Turpin there. Well, that didn't really work. And then, well, let's try another kid the next year. Well, that hasn't worked. So next year, let's try another kid. Yay. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I'm sure it'll work eventually. Yeah, meanwhile, we see George Williams go to the, the Raiders and kill it from day dot. And he, I know he was somewhat keen on coming here two years ago. But so what? Yeah, I remember talking about that a bit yeah. back when Wayne was coaching England. Yeah. Uh, right, Scott Fellows. Who do you think will be the first thing we beat after the restart? If, if Stags was in and Glenn was in the, in the back row and Pangai's back... This week, I thought we could have done the Knights this week, but I'm really like that, that combination of Boyd and Glenn in the centres like put a bullet in my mouth. Like, I know they're worried about defensive, you know, shutting down Bradman Best or similar, but like the game is won by scoring goddamn points, and our defence is bad, it's going to stay bad. Like, can we at least try and outscore someone, at least go that way? <laughs> like, not so I don't know if it's. Titans is after them, then Warriors, then Bulldogs, then Tigers. So. Mate, thank God for those four games after that. Because we should have um, a feeder back like round eight or nine as well, which is which is good. Yeah, I, we'll get. I, we'll probably lose to the Titans because that seems like something we'll do. Yeah, it does, actually. Um, yeah, but we'll get someone in there. Probably the Tigers on like a controversial last-minute penalty. 
Um, lastly, on Facebook from Sean Radloff. When a team gets a seven-tackle set, the defending team just gives a ruck infringement penalty on play one to slow it down, which gives away a six again. Panthers did it about six times in the same game. Thoughts on the rule change or just scrap a seven-tackle? Broncos obviously a bit slow on the uptake with rule changes. Uh, mate, the, I think the rule change is trash. Like, I really haven't... It, it's, it looked really good the first game it happened. It happened against us. And that first set it happened in, Parramatta rolled down the field in, you know, seven or eight tackles. And then Nia Kore scored. And everyone was like, wow, look at this rule. Look at this. What a rule. And then that happened. And then it's been pretty shit since, if you ask me. Like, a lot of the time, the team that receives a six again doesn't receive the genuine benefit. As you said, they happen on tackle one very often. For us, in this, in the last game, it happened on tackle one and tackle two, I think, and down our own end, trying to chase the game. We didn't get penalties. You know, and then you know, other instances, you'll see a team will get one and drop the ball on that tackle, and that's it. And it's ha- that's happened quite a few times. It's like, it's... A punishment to the team with the ball very often. Because even the team with the ball want the break sometimes. They want to kick the ball down the field and, and set it, set something up. They want that advantage. They don't care about rolling fast when it's received pretty much anywhere outside the opposition 30. They don't care. Honestly, like, the only way I would have this rule is if anywhere in the field it's a penalty. But if you're attacking on the line, like in that 20 metres, yeah. they call six again. But then if the attacking team just stop straight away, they can take the penalty if they want. Yeah, look, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even hate the rule, mate, if that was the choice. If the, right now, if they call six again and the captains goes, well, stop. I wouldn't even yeah. hate it then if, if the captain's like, no, we want the penalty. Because, like, you would like you would know if you're wanting to, like, the team, team's wanting to take a kick on goal, like, depending on game situation or whatever. So the person with the ball, like, don't even play the ball. Just stand there and like, no, we'll take a penalty. Like, captain mm-hmm. yell out just something and... But yeah, yeah, I just I don't think the ref should be making decisions like that, like just based on the feel. Like, oh, maybe we'll do this or we'll do that. Just why not? Like, and it still leads to putting the whistle away, and and even other calls like the it's still there's still controversial calls. Like, that was a dumb thing. Like that was going to go away. Like the Paddy Carrigan call was wrong from this week's game. You know, it was wrong, and we got penalised and we lost. And then we got received two six against right after it. And she's like, well. Brilliant. This is this is really consistent, and what people want their bloody consistency. It's like this this is garbage, and like what team ever chasing a game five minutes left in their own half ever wants six again? They're gassed as well. They want the field position. The six again only works in the first like ten minutes of both halves for the attacking team when they've got energy. That's like it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Moving over on Twitter now from Thursday night FB. Who would you shape out the future? How, sorry, how would you shape the future of our halves? I'd like to punt the current two and look into Dearden, but who would you partner with him? I mean, Milford's there for at least this year and next. You know, that's just, well, that's the Connick situation. After that, who would I partner with him? I don't really even know, mate, because, like, there's not that many halves I have my eye on right now that are of a reasonable age. I think we signed them in 2022. Like you know, maybe you know, maybe if we're talking, if we have to get rid of Milford, you know, maybe I'm chasing a Luke Keary at that point. But I'm more concerned. I think we have, I think we have most of the cattle, minus you know, a halfback or one or two other pieces. I think I, my concern is the is the coach. Like we've seen this countless times with teams the last couple of years. How like Manly with the same roster went from 15 to the finals to this year, like. Like and you know you saw uh, even the sharks you know lose Flano and they go to where they are now. It's the coach makes a big difference in rugby league. It doesn't make a huge difference in all sports, but it does in this game. 
Yeah, I mean, look at the Knights. They just look like a completely different yeah, side. you're right. That's it. And, like, Kurt Mann had a good game on the weekend at six. Yeah. You know, this yeah. Uh, Jared underscore S. Any any stress tips for to get me through a Broncos game? No. Just drink a lot is no. my usual go to. Yeah, I've got no any stress tips, though, mate. Like I, I try, I try to go in some of these games, you know, thinking we're going to lose. Try not to care. Try not to let it hurt, and it still does, mate. <laughs> uh, Pythago NRL. How many more former Broncos do we need to give an opinion on how the club has lost its way before the club finds its way again? <laughs> Um, this is kind of like why I haven't really come on here to go over the, all the things we spoke about this club in the past because the media are finally doing it now too about like Paul White, about Isaac Moses, about um, Peter Nolan, all that kind of stuff, how how we got to this spot. But man, it's like every single former Bronco is just like coming out of anywhere and saying this club isn't what it was. It's like, yeah, we kind of know that. Yeah, really? Because we're not yeah. winning premierships. That's a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> Uh, also from Pythago NRL, is the Dolphins leaving us for the Warriors some end of days type stuff, or is that an overreaction? Overreaction, but it's another symptom of the um, poor management of, of the Brisbane Broncos right now to lose. I know Ipswich went for similar, like differentish reasons, but to lose Ipswich and, and Redcliffe as feeders over the last two years, it's just another symptom of that. Like Redcliffe had been a feeder for us since two thousand and six, and they used to hold our pocket, man. Like they used to take whoever we wanted, play them when we told them to play them. And work on who he wanted. They were the team that took Matt Lodge. They worked on Hopperwadi after prison. Even though Hopperwadi wasn't really Broncos contracted, they work on Hopper there. You know, they 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 would play guys we told them to play. And not every coach in reserve grade wants to do that. And I thought the start of this year when uh, they moved Corey Pakes and to South Logan and Tom Dean to South Logan, I thought that was weird because Pakes was at Redcliffe last year. But it's obvious they'd lost that linkage now. And um, it's not like we're gonna we've lost a massive. Uh, breeding ground because you know we all know how this works kind of now pretty much you sign for being a Bronco when you're like 16 it's not like we're getting many people out of Redcliffe but it just it's just another symptom to me like that the club is asleep at the wheel a bit admin and a bit arrogant like we're down to what have we got we let the Warriors and the, and the Newcastle into Queensland like what are you doing like it's not even about having that link for us a lot of it's about having a link so nobody else does you know yeah uh, from Scotty, how um, how can you two be so courageous as to record at a time like this after two one-sided losses like that? This was before the Manly game too, so it's three losses three. now. Yeah, but what this, this last one wasn't one-sided. It was so brave. So brave. It was a Titans loss, mate. We were so brave. We tried so hard. <laughs> really put in the effort. Um, mate, it's not easy. But I remember, I remember many years ago, Simo, maybe our second year of podcasting and more other, other fan podcasts started up. And I remember me and you talking, and I'll name them, but Panthers Weekly were starting <laughs> to not record when they were losing. And, and me and you were like, we, we, can, we can't do that. No. Nah. <laughs> so we can't go back just because of what we said to each other about that. Yeah, that's it, mate. And I know like, it was easy to say it from where we... At that point, we were globetrotting. With, with t- Broncos were never going to be bad again at that point. So it was easy to, to say that. But, um, but here we are. We front up. And it's kind of like Broncos therapy because I actually... like. There's a, probably too many takes on Twitter or in my DMs about it right now. But it's like, you know, it's a bit... It's good for me. Come on, you chat Simo, chat some shit. It's all right. Yeah, I usually feel better about Broncos. I mean, the games were a bit ago, so I was feeling a bit better anyway, but yeah, you always feel a bit better after having a chat. Um, yeah. 
from House of Pain. First time ever I'm not supporting us. I want Boyd to let in a shitload of tries and bomb two tries over the line. Hashtag drop Darius. Oh, I mean, that that's another one. Like, as all the things you can try and get behind Seabob uh, with, I don't know how you can explain that continued selection and how you, anyone can defend it. And the the only thing I people seem to I see people trying to claim is oh there must be someone stopping him from dropping him. In the end, I don't care about that anymore. Like no. I got behind that last year because after the fifty eight nil, he said everything was going to change, and I was like, okay, maybe if he got told to do that for a year, I can buy be. that. But it's still here now, and at this point, I don't care if he isn't strong enough to stand up and be like no I'm dropping Darius and I'm playing my best 17 like I don't want him as the coach yeah what are we doing here at that point yeah I mean I just don't know what people have to like what evidence people have to see to get off Seabob people seem to start talking themselves back like the day after every loss it's like he's literally the worst coach we've ever had like any numbers wise I know numbers aren't everything but like he's a numbers for you points scored and points conceded he's the worst we've ever had like that's just it like they're not talking any basic fancy stats, but you know, remember the, the you know you think of the dark Anthony Griffin and Henjack days. It's like this Seabold team averages sixteen points scored a game. It's embarrassing. It's like even Griffin's boring team averaged twenty one points scored a game. Yeah, just they were all in the first sixty minutes. That's it. But it's it. he's yeah he's just I can go off. I'll probably I'll read through them. Screw it. I've got some numbers I did last week, but he's like the only Broncos coach to never put forty on a team ever. The only Broncos coach only score over 30 once in a season. The next lowest, I think, was four times in a season. Um, the 56 points through our first four rounds was our uh, least we scored in a season since 99, and the third least overall. 132 points conceded through four rounds was the most we've conceded in four rounds. Obviously, it makes our worst points differential through four rounds ever. And then over any Broncos coaching tenure, so he averages 16.8 points scored and 23.4 conceded for an average margin of negative 6.6. And now over Wayne Bennett's whole career, Brisbane, he averaged 23.6 scored and 16.9 conceded. Average margin of 6.8. So it's already over a 13-point swing between all of Wayne Bennett. But even between Wayne Bennett V2, he still averaged 23 points scored and 18 conceded. And it's still a 13-point swing from average scoring five. To, you know, it's, it's just huge. He's the worst coach by a distance. Like, Henjak's defense is almost as bad, but Henjak's attack was the second best of any Broncos coach. Henjack had Lockyer, which he helped. Did. He did, but like, I don't know. It definitely helped. Henjack was a bad coach, <laughs> like, but it, see, I just think Seabold's worse. He has Mate, a good, talented roster too. What I would give right now for Henjack to just swing by work on the way and pick up a few cartons and drop off at Broncos and be the coach. Just don't even have to coach. Like, yeah, pick a half decent seventeen and like this, the side could sort itself out better than Seabold's doing right now. Like that that Henjack team, it was a bit of a flawed roster. Like he had he had Lockyer, which is true, but that was also the time we had about seventeen back rowers and no no front rowers. And like it was a pretty you know he did miss the finals and he got punted because of that. And also that the the young backs weren't very good. That we had Falau, which is true, but it was like the back line had you know Jared Beal in and out of it, Winnerstein, Corey Norman, uh, Denon Kemp's like last year at Brisbane. Dale Copley played a bit of Yao Yi before you know. Yeah, he was yeah, yeah, Hoffman. Like it wasn't a very talented side. Like the front rowers were like Scott Anderson, Mitchell Dodds, um, Nick Kenny. Not great. Like we this team like... is much better. It's a more talented team. Bar Lockyer is a more talented team than that team was. We had like one decent middle the whole decade after two thousand six on. 
That's it, mate. And now this team, like, we've finally got middles, but uh, it's, you know, Seabold is doing a good job to mess all that up. Like, we, you know, he does keep playing. He plays Haas in the right spot, which is nice, but I'm just sick of the, the shuffle almost every week and the chaos every week. Like, I don't know how anyone can get behind that, can get behind every week the guys lying up in different positions. Yeah, I'm half worried that he's going to kill Haas by the time he's 22. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great Haas can play 80 minutes. It's fantastic. But it's like he shouldn't be doing it every week. No. Righto. Benny DTD, serious question, rare I know, but where do we start from again? Obviously, the board needs to go. It has been responsible for a dreadful five years, really. Which coach should we legitimately go after? Also, we need experience. Who would be your top three targets? Yeah, and I think this is this is part of what we 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 spoke about this. I mean, we did the you know the Paul White podcast when Wayne got punted, and it's obviously not just Seabold's fault where we are right now. And I don't want it to get lost there. I think he's a bad coach regardless, but um, it's it goes all the way up to the board as you said. And I think you know if the Cubs are turn around, Paul White has to go, and I think he is going into this year unless they get that extension based on coronavirus out of him. They offered him. Uh, Carl Morris, chair, chair of the board, he took took over chair 2018. That's like directly in line with the massive plummet since then. And then you've got Peter Nolan in, in, in recruitment, who's you know buddy buddy with uh, Isaac Moses. And we have some good players because of that, but I mean you don't you don't want any player agent having 15 players in your first grade squad, let alone Isaac Moses. It's not good. Uh, but you got to. It starts at the top. I don't know the CEO answer because why would any fan know? who the next best Broncos CEO is going to be. It's just not my job to find that, unfortunately. But that's where it starts. Head coach is a tough one too, mate. Like CEO, I wouldn't, you know, if I had to throw a candidate out, the candidate I knew, I'd throw out Shane Richardson, knowing that he's done it well at clubs for, for the last 20 years. And, he's, and you know, I, I trust him to do well at Brisbane as well. And he's a Brisbane boy in the first place. Coach is tough. The coach I liked last year, Adam O'Brien, he's, he's got a job. So um, I don't know. Like I, I, I like Sean, I don't mind Sean Wayne from England, but you've got to be able to handle the pressure of being a Broncos coach. And Bellamy isn't coming anytime soon either, so I don't actually know the coaching answer. Have you got any candidates, Simo? Um, yeah, well, I mean, Jason Demetrio is always the one I like, but he's got a job also. That's it. Um, I, my, I mean, this might be part of the well, part of the reason why I don't, have, I'm not CEO of any clubs, but. My mind is always that coaches make the biggest difference in any sporting team. Like, I think even in probably sports that they it don't matter as much, but like NFL is probably one of the ones that it matters more than most. Well, it is, well, yeah. But I just always think the coach makes the biggest difference. And when there's not a salary cap on coaching, just go to the person you like the most. I don't care what club they're at, but if you're the Broncos, just be like, we'll give you double what you're getting now. Come coach mm. the best side in the comp and we'll make it great again. Yeah. We'll get like maroon hats that say make Broncos great again. It'll be great. Well, there is a coaching cap now, but no one's spending it. And we won't, like no one else, we're getting, apparently we're closest to it and no one else is even near it. So there is obviously money to go chase somebody. And he said, Dimitri, who's I liked as well, but obviously he's got a job lined up. And I think Bellamy's a pipe dream. I think like he's one that people will hate me saying, but I'd take Shane Flanagan. I don't care he's a cheat. I want to win games. I'd, I'd definitely take Shane Flanagan. He's been he's a proven winner at that at that at that Sharks team. I'd definitely take him. Plus, I only care if he cheats at other clubs. I don't care if he cheats at my club. And that's it. I don't, and I, we want to, everyone wants to win games. Like people talk about how Flanagan's a douche. It's like, come on, we got players we didn't like before we signed them, and if if we did, if we won. 
We'd like Flano. That's it. Hey, I got behind Josh Maguire for years, so I could get behind Flano again. So that's you it. know. In terms of any of the players, question he asked. Um, no, there's nothing on players there. It's experience, didn't he say three players or something? Oh, we need experience. Who would be top three targets? I wasn't sure if that was referring to coaching, but yeah. for players, if it's players, I want. I would love a back uh, a lock like Dale Finucane. I'm not in love with Paddy Carrigan like everyone else is. Like I get he's a good ball carrier, but his defense is average. And we're trying to force something onto him by making him play so long, and he makes poor decisions that way. I'd love a forward leader like a, like a Dale Finucane or a Tohu Harris, even though he's not a lock, but you could go to lock, something like that. But um, I, I don't know. My, the big recruit I, I think we'll regret, and I already do regret, that we didn't chase is Harry Grant. Like We're going to be the club that like watched the Storm have Cam Smith be the origin hooker for like over a decade, and then the Storm are going to have the Queensland origin hooker again for over a decade with Harry Grant and we missed out and we didn't even chase him at any point that's who I want we should have chased him hard I don't care how much you like Jake Turpin yeah I mean time's a flat circle just goes round and round and round it does <laughs> um, on a semi-related question here from Friday Night FB he's got F. Mary Kill Seabold Nolan White oh god well I'll start I'm going to kill Seabold, mm-hmm. which means I'm probably going to marry Nolan and White will probably sort himself out soon yeah, enough. That's what, that's what I think it is too. As I think you can F, you can F um, Whitey's leaving anyway. I think you got it right. And Nolan, whilst he's the recruitment guy and he has power and control, he is the least influential of that bunch. You know, Coaches can overrule him and, and Paul White can overrule him as well. Uh, from Jack K. Cronin, he said, Hey lads, long time follower, first time listener. <laughs> do you have any hopes for success under Seabold or do you think the easy way out culture has already gone too far that it will take a change for genuine success despite the roster a la Knights with Brown and Adam O'Brien? Mate, I, I agree with that easy way out team. Like This team takes any excuses given and they've generally got the excuses prepared a lot of the weeks. and. They will perform after a smashing sometimes because everyone else externally has got up them, but no one internally seems to be up their ass. Like we think we're some next level. We all know this. We think we're some next level team with next level thinkers with a gamer or all that garbage. But like at the most basic level, like rugby league is a game of aggression, and you could see last week when we came against the Roosters, it's like we knew we all knew we were going to lose that game. But the fact that nobody even seemed to come out angry or fired up or anything that really is like, man, what did they do this week? <laughs> like they just accepted they were going to lose. I think it is one of those cultural things, mate, that it's just like, until he goes, that won't change. And we'll win some games. With that. When the team's fully fit, that roster is too good to not win games. That pack is too good. They'll win games, but I think it's in spite of him, not, not due to his coaching. And it'll happily be proven wrong, but I just don't think I will be over the long run. I think a symptom, too, of this easy way out culture is, you've mentioned this too, but like, it's up. it's always the player's decision whether they go or stay at this club. Like, yes. They despite the fact that all of them have player options. Like, even when their contracts are up, if they want to stay at the club, they'll get a contract offer and stay at the club. Like, who's the last person we told to get lost? I, I don't know. I mean, There's we, probably been someone. But. I mean, we, ha- we have obviously got rid of some players over the last year or two, but all of them were still contracted. Who was the last... You mean like the last player we said, go test the market? We yeah. just we ne- Never. Like, when do we do that? Ever. Like, not even just the current... Like, the, we have so many player options, right? But the current ones, even like... You can like Jack Turpin as much as you want, but the fact he got a two-year player option is hilarious. 
after last year. He has this year signed up, and then he has a two-year player option. A player of that caliber getting a player option is hilarious. Player options only exist in those edge cases when, say, like, the Broncos go and sign, you know, maybe they go and try and sign a Ponga, and they go, you know what, mate? We'll give you three years, and he goes, you know what, I want two and a player option. That's when you go, yep, done, to get someone like that. You don't sign half your current roster on player options. It should be Broncos options. Performance-based industry, the team has the option, not the player. That's how it should work, but... Everyone on this team, any time they, they're off contract, it seems, they get offered bulk years, and then it locks, your, it, it locks your cap down to not have flexibility to chase guys who, you know, who, who could become available, all, all good players become available. We seem to be chasing our tail with the cap the last two, three seasons now. We have half the squad penned up for, for a long distance, and I know it seems nice to say, oh, we've got, you know, Fafida, and, and, and well, he's not pinned yet, we've got Haas penned, and... We've got Stags panned, we've got Asako panned, whatever. But it's like, we, you know, we did it for all these guys who were like 28, 29 as well, and we'll keep doing that. Yeah, I don't even know if I would have offered Ponga a player option. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you would looking back, but at the time... I'm saying as in if it was right now. If oh, if it was right now. Yeah, 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 sorry. I was, thought you were meaning at the time we tried to get him. Like, yeah, if it was right now, yeah, sure. Greg Inglis, when we tried to chase him when he was leaving the storm, that's yeah. the person you want to give a player option. If it was Greg England, I'd give him five years of player options. I wouldn't care. That's it, mate. But that's but what you got to do. You don't. You're not giving like a player option to. I don't know. Seventeenth person on the roster. Well, our which current we do. Op- yeah, a couple current roster player options: Jack Bird, Darius Boyd, Matt Lodge, Anthony Milford, Corey Oates, and Jake Turpin. That's seven of the thirty. But you know how it's blown up in their faces. They try to put pressure on Anthony Milford. They literally try to do that this season, and he goes, oh, okay, thanks, I'll take my option. <laughs> so, okay. And then Kahu came back as well, and then even when they let Col- McCulloch go, he has a player option for next year. So even though he's gone, he could still somehow come back. I doubt he will. So it's those guys have options. And then, we, yeah, we've got Joe O, we signed a 2022, I don't know why. Carrigan's on 2022 already, Croft 2022. Like, these are, it's just not flexible. It's garbage. Hello, James K underscore thirteen twelve. Gutless wonders the lot of them. I don't have, think I have ever hated a Broncos side as much as I ha- hate this one in the last couple of seasons. As soon as the going gets somewhat tough, they just roll over and let the floodgates open. I don't like calling for coaches to be sacked so soon, but if this continues, we will have to change things up. Who is a realistic option to replace him, though? I mean, I only want to say you don't want to call for it too soon. It's not too soon after some of those hammerings we got. Like, when is too soon? It's like, oh, yeah, three years we did, we sack him now after damage is done. It's like, it's... The, the end of this year would be probably where they might... If you miss the finals this year, there might actually be a judgment call on him, especially if a new CEO comes in and if his performance uh, part of his contract is, is real, that they've stated. But, like, I don't like that. The too soon garbage is, like, how much of an opportunity do you need? Like, nobody waits for a player to fuck up for two years straight. No, for me, like, after last year, it would have been too soon. Hmm. And even after the 58-0, like, as bad as that was, you, like, see what changes he makes. And then when you're four weeks into the season and you get done 59-0, that's the, it's not too soon anymore. It's not. And Darius Boyd's still on the side. And then yeah. the, and the excuse is the youth, except the guy, the oldest guy on the team with the most experience is probably the most embarrassing. It's always great. Uh, real underscore Mr. Ives. How long before Corey Oates is blowing balloons in his second row stint? <laughs> He was all right, eh? Like, fitness-wise, too. I was shocked by that. I thought he'd have fitness issues, but... Yeah, I thought he did pretty good. I mean, could have run a slightly better line on that 
Tarius Boyd's second try, but it also should have been real a try, so whatever. I mean, that I think that was a fine line, hey? Like, it's... Yeah, I think it was fine, but like it's mm. also one of those things where if you, you run a slightly different line, you don't let the referee make that decision. Yeah. Like, you run a line that you, they can't make that decision. I mean, you know, this is a safe space, and welcome other Broncos, other teams, fans listening, but um, that was the first time in a long time I felt actually agreed by the refereeing. You know, obviously expected to lose before the game, so it didn't sting as much as it would if uh, if it was a different game. But it was like that call, and then obviously the 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 call on Brody Croft as a defensive decision where he just got murdered, uh, and then the Paddy Carrigan simultaneous, and then they missed the Cherry Evans missed the field goal, nobody touched it, so that's great. And then the two six again, and then we found out later. I don't know if other Broncos fans know yet, but uh, Danny Levi got cited for a. Uh, for a penalty, sorry, for a, I can't remember what charge he got, but it was 74th minute in front of their goalpost. He got cited for something, and we didn't get that penalty. It's like it's just one of those games that I did feel like we were great. Even even in that last set when Lodge slapped the, uh, Danny Levi's arm, he was square. Yeah. So it was just one of those games. Danny Levi also was like slower than an afternoon at the in-laws getting out of half there too. Yeah, no, Gotti, Gotti was bad in that game, Danny Levi as well. I mean, Katoni Stagg's penalty in this game though is probably it was near the dumbest I've ever seen. It was a it was Jordan Carhu levels are stupid. No, I only think dumber than that was challenging it. Oh, the Coates one with the challenge, yeah. The Stags is that one where he was he was was never square. He just dove on the ball. Yeah. Righto, uh, Jared underscore S. Can we improve our consistency? See, like Seabold wanted and lose sixty nil this week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Maureen Doyle, 52, your mum. G'day, mum. How dumb were they to sign a junior coach for five years? What would it take to get an investigation into the running of the Broncos' head office? Well, yeah, we need to sign Jeff Toovey. That's what we need. Um, yeah, I think it's the pressure's finally coming. Me and you have been saying this since two years ago. It were anti the Wayne thing and, and how they moved on. And again, it was not the world team Wayne. We were team Wayne and then Demetriou and what was going. Because what was going was, I know we had that bad year and I know we lost 48-18, but we still beat all the top four that year. We still had good wins. Like We were, we were one win but out of the top four as well. But like I was on board with that transition. I had belief in the club and the, in the team. And it's like, it, it felt aggrieved to then do that and move to another rookie coach. And then everything seems to be the excuse of being rookies. The loot, the loss, the the losses on the field, and the and the coaching cop out. But it's like guys like Paul White have been in the club for a decade. We haven't won shit, and no pressure been applied to him like at all until this week. He was still getting caught. People were throwing his name off the NRL CEO like three weeks ago. Ridiculous. Yeah. Would you take Jeff Tuvey as a coach? No, like oh man, he's one of those guys. He's like Kevy. When I actually hear him, whenever I actually hear him talk about the game and about players, I'm always like, "How the hell did you ever coach anything?" <laughs> you know, like whenever I hear, "How did you coach anything?" I don't know. Yeah, I'd still take him. Like angry. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like as you said, when this side's fit, it's a good side. So you just need someone to psych him up. Kevy could do that. Uh, it's not Kevy. New yeah, South Wales, Kevy could do that. <laughs> I'm trying to think, um, where was it? Was it 2V's team with a year or similar last year or these Origin team? And I saw that and I'm like, ah, yeah, this is why you're not coaching. <laughs> Which one yeah, it look, was? It's desperate times, all right. I'd take a lot of people right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, from Tanger underscore Anger, is Katoni just Shitasaki 2.0? 
his defense is terrible. Like, and, that, and his decision making is terrible, but no, he's got way more upside and attack. I'm hoping he will learn. I'm really hoping he will learn. But it's, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot more holes in his game than people like to admit. <laughs> Mr. Underscore S Triple Eight, please have a special guest segment of King Wally abusing the Broncos organization. <laughs> uh, King Wally says, if you're in a room with Seabold and Paul White and you had a gun with a single bullet, what are you doing? Myself. Uh, ben Rokey replies line them up and hope for a two for one Miss <laughs> uh, underscore S triple eight F Mary Kill Greg Eden Lachlan Miranda 2020 Darius Boyd oh, Greg Eden Lachlan well a, a kill Darbs I was going to say he's the easy one to F because he just lays down so easy yeah um, but, but I kill him and, and like Oh, it's actually hard between him and Eden. Miranta was not as bad as Darius is right now. When, when Miranta had that one year when he was okay under bombs. Yeah, I'm marrying Miranta, my long-time love. Yeah. Greg Eden. Yeah, I'm killing Darius Boyd. Yeah. Uh, I remember I remember the team now. I just Googled it from Jeff Toovey. It was his all-time Seagulls team, but it didn't have like anyone from the last like 20 years in it. That's what it was. <laughs> Even the team he coached, like the team that was like really good for the, like for that whole ten years, not one of them made it. And there's a lot of average players in it too. Um, yeah, I mean, whereas my team would be the opposite; it would just be all players from the last ten years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Andrew RLP, Andrew Ferguson. Um, oh, have a the, random one. Yeah, I mean, there's been a few this week. Jack, yeah, there's been a couple. Mm. Um, have the cardboard cutouts burnt their jumpers on demands of refunds? Yes. <laughs> they should be uh, King Wally 1 F Paul White F the entire Broncos board F Anthony Seabold if we sack Seabold soon what are our realistic coaching options please don't say Kevin Walters been no, through that no um from Buduinya <laughs> oh no <laughs> who is your least favourite Roosters supporter <laughs> uh, mate that big O trivia bloke Ah, uh, that's an easy cop out what, you want, to, want me to name what 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 one of the, my friends who are yeah in yes, <laughs> um, uh, no. they take Probably. it too personally, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the, that's why he asked the question. If it was another fan base, I'd name it. But the, the Roosters boys, mate, they'll be talking about it for two years. You get subtweets. Probably just Jake, uh, GM Walker. Corey Oates to a brand new position on four days of practice, defending next to Boyd, Milford, and Coates. What could go wrong? Can this be viewed as anything but desperation move by a coach who's got no plan on the field and no leadership skills? Well, I agree with all those things uh, in terms of desperation move and uh, no plan on the field and, and uh, no, no leadership either. Like, God, even that quote this week that came out that he asked the players to hold each other accountable. <laughs> like, are you kidding me, bro? Uh, <laughs> uh, right, and, um, yeah. oh, well, next one. Marshall23 underscore, instead of talking about a new Brisbane club, should we be talking about two new Brisbane clubs? Why not? This person might be my least favourite Roosters fan now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Patrick, 1993. Will Seabold last the season as coach, although at this point clubs dump enough Although at this point clubs dump enough to keep him around? Oh, I guess he'd get a job somewhere else. Um, I reckon at this point his worst, he is worse than Hanjack and Griffin... I'm murdering this. At this point, he's worse than Henjack and makes Griffin look like a premiership winning coach in comparison. I take Griffin back, mate. I'm telling you, like that time, that team blew some losses, 
but uh, blew some wind, sorry, but they were never this embarrassing. They were never this embarrassing. I, I, I got very frustrated in that team not reaching their potential under him and blowing leads. But there wasn't many weeks that I, like they went out there and got absolutely blown off the park. Most of the times, if they can see level 30 points, it was in a game where they lost like 26-32. Where they, where they lost because Corey Parker missed seven goals or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, M lo- M1, line one. Should they have chased Mullaney when he came off contract to give our young team some experienced leadership and direction? No, I don't I don't think Maloney is the one you want in terms of leadership. He's a dickhead off the field, and there's a reason why he's not lasted anywhere. And I think he was just ready for that move to France. Um, yeah, I would have liked him like when he went to Penrith. Yes, that's that. That was the right timing, but I don't. I don't think the timing is right now. I think it's, we're at that really awkward window now. Like a lot of great halfbacks have just retired, and people ask me who I want to sign. There's not really that many experienced halves I actually want. That's what's tough as well. It's not even the great ones. There's not really any like solid good ones either. There isn't. I was talking to Campo yesterday about, it and I said how how far away is he from calling George Williams the best halfback in the world already? Because like it's not like there's that many in front of him. No. <laughs> yeah. Nathan Chip twenty two. If the Broncos win this week, end of year party at Sizzler. <laughs> uh, DW Kingston. The Roosters score fewer points with Teddy uh, Cameron Anchor. What player slash players would you sign to help the current crop? Do we need experienced players or a better coach? Better coach. Better coach. I mean, D- it, it's yeah, go. Exciting another experienced person now. As much as I want an experienced forward, like. They're probably not going to do that, <laughs> like, as sad as it is. But I, I, you know, if if you're ever going to make a splash, it'd be somehow landing a talented fullback, even though like a psycho there or a hooker. I know Turpin's been fine, but that's what I'd be going for, like a hooker or a halfback. I don't know what halfback I could sign, but like I said, I would love Harry Grant at number nine. Like the team having some direction somewhere is is a thing they desperately need, and I, and I don't really know if like other experienced players are going to resolve that. If you get me, like you know, even though I want an experienced forward leader, I don't think throwing in a number no, different number thirteen is going to change the fortunes completely. D. Darrinson, who will be the next scapegoat after Arthur's took his fall this week? Uh well, the the, the the scapegoat has been deserved for a long time and has been Darius Boyd, but he hasn't been scapegoated. I think Corey Oates is almost due his scapegoating. He's in the back row, and I, and I will not be shocked if the following week or the week after he's on the bench. Yeah. Um, also from D. Darrinson, would you rather Haas for Feeder, White and Seabold all leave or Haas for Feeder, White and Seabold all stay? Stay. I'm stayed because there's a chance Seabold will get run over by a bus and White gets done by the Rainer, so, you know. Yeah. Um, man, this just keeps going forever. It Mike just, Harding, eight. I'm glad we didn't plan anything else for the podcast other than questions <laughs> and a bit of chat because we're going to... If we did two game reviews and a preview, we'd be here for four hours. We've ended up covering probably most of the talking points we that we've wanted to. We're already an hour ten into this, so... Mike Harding, eight. Just remember, people, Seabs hasn't missed one tackle, hasn't bombed one try, hasn't dropped one ball. He can train them... So they are hot as, do everything right, but when they run on the field, it's up to the players. It wasn't the players he gave up last Thursday night. Uh, I mean, are you sure he's ever trained them hot as? Are they looking good in training? I mean, if you're training them hot as, they seem to be snapping hamstrings every two weeks. Isn't that think, part of like, the problem? You can say it wasn't him that gave up, but like, as you said before, other teams, like, 
Even the Bulldogs players, they're not giving up on Dean Pay in the middle of games. That side's worse than this side. Well, we're recording during the Bulldogs game, right? And the score yeah. was 24-0 to the Roosters at half time. Not great. There's 20 minutes left in that game, and what's the bloody score? 24-0 to the Roosters, not 59-0 to the Roosters. And it might yeah. blow out again to still, but the Bulldogs team was way worse than our side. Yeah, and Tedesco's playing in that game too. He is. Yeah, it's just... You can say he hasn't given up in the middle of a game, but like these players wouldn't be doing the same thing for different coaching. Look at the difference with the night side. I know. Like, they gave up on on Brownie. That's because of how he was coaching. They look like the third best side in the comp right now. But they didn't believe in what he was putting down. It's like, just think of yourself, mate. Think when you've had a bad manager or a boss you didn't like, and you tell me how you performed as opposed to when you had one you did like. Exactly. Yep. Uh, Harvey G. How are you guys doing outside of football at the moment? Hope you're both well. Mate, I can't separate the two. My job's footy. Like, <laughs> like it's tough. <laughs> Um, from Bing Pringle um, I'm doing pretty good though Harvey cheers yeah. Bing Pringle Broncos really need to become a one city team if they are to succeed and perhaps every Thursday and Friday night game seven day break no other team gets and sign the 2018 coach of the year what are they they do they have oh piss them off to Perth yeah um, from great underscore Nehemiah this is a very similar feeling to 09 to 014, except this time Queensland will lose Origin indefinitely because of Walters' ineptness and New South Wales players coming through. <laughs> E.g. Turbo, Paulo, Radley versus Mbai, Norman and Ben Hunt. Thoughts? Yeah, um, I agree with you with that. Like, I mean, God, we have to go over this again, but the club thought they were bigger than Wayne, but they really kind of weren't. <laughs> like, but, even if, like, it's back to what it was like without him. This This feels more depressing than that period we had obviously 09 was just off that the great season we had finished obviously with melbourne there mm. 11 we made a prelim which we probably should have done better except for Bill. we signed for Lau. um even in 14 we only just scraped the eight but we had obviously ben hunt looked great you know like mm. there, there was stuff every year or two that you were kind of keen about whereas here I mean, yeah, maybe in a year's time you're like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that far between. The, the, the worst part of the Broncos right now is the fact we can't score bloody points. As I mentioned earlier, the point scoring. That's like, even, like we mean you spoke last year, mate, how we couldn't think of three tries to put in the intro if we did it again. Yeah, and it's, it's not even then that you're losing, because obviously you're losing, but it's just boring to watch as well. It is. What is it? Is it Titans have scored the same amount of points we have at Suncorp? We played the three times. We have twenty-eight games and th- twenty-eight points in three games at Suncorp. It's great. Righto, last one from at Swarzy. Sounds like you fellas need a rebuild. How does Brownie sound to take over Seabold? No, worse. I know they're being tongue in cheek, and I know I hate Brownie, but that—that's one of the very few downgrades available. Is he a downgrade? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. No, he's a downgrade. Yeah, he is. But I. That's it. Sweet. Okay, I mean, I did originally plan on coming on here and doing a bit more rabbiting on... like if, When the Roosters game finished, I was going to come on and do some of the talking we did two years ago about when, when they got rid of Wayne, and I think all of it's still accurate, but I think everyone said everything about where the club's going and the, and the things that are wrong and, you know, why Glenn shouldn't be captain and the other guys shouldn't be captain and blah, blah, blah. So then we can bother covering that, but um, if you got anything you want to cover on that before we touch on news or on these last two games? Nah, I'm... Yeah. yeah, I think we talked a fair bit about the games in between different comments. 
I mean, it is sad that, like, so Xavier Coates was sick, but it's sad that he comes to the team and then we're the, literally the only player we have is kicker to Xavier. <laughs> yeah, like... That was sad. That was every attacking end of a set we had. That was the only plan we had the entire game because the last few weeks, the only plan we ever had was Brody would bomb at the end of the sets and now it's like, well, bomb, bomb to Xavier. <laughs> yeah. But also, if he's going to come down with, like, 100% of the balls, let him catch it in goal, not five metres outside. Yeah, put a good kick in. And that was also fr- very big frustrating the last few weeks is this confusion that to be a game manager, you have to make all the, do all the kicking, which Croft's doing. The one time Milford kicked to, to Coates, we scored because it was a perfectly weighted kick. Oh, well. Yes. Um, okay, so let's do some news. So obviously the Ben Teo stuff happened, which is great. And for me, it's great because I don't even care if he plays a game or not. Like, I know he's already played, but it's like just having an experienced person off the field around the club and the guy who's got his track record is going to be perfect. I think we kind of touched on that in the past already. Do you want to talk about Ben Teo any, at all, Simo? Um, no, not really. It's just yeah, similar to what you said. He's been all over the world, played in different sports. He knows how to knows how to train, knows how to do that all that. Mm. And it's the kind of thing too. If you've got a side full of young kids, like you just teach them how to be a footballer. You know, it's yeah. very different in the NRL from when you're under 18s. So. Yeah, 100%. Um, other news we'll, we'll touch on. Let's go first. Isaac Luke has joined the club to, to the end of the season. Personally, I actually like the signing. I know a lot of people are questioning the McCulloch stuff, but I like it. Well, how do you feel, Simo? Yeah, I mean, I think he's better than McCulloch, so I just think we've upgraded. That's like, it, mate. And like The thing that's been left out of this, it wasn't like just a one-for-one replacement. This is one of the decisions I do agree with. Like McCulloch... We've got if, if he doesn't come back next year, we'll save like six hundred thousand dollars with the cap next year and whatever they took this year. And then what we need, we don't like. I know letting McCulloch go when Turpin, you know, when when thinking Turpin to say it was a bit stupid, but it's like, say you know Luke comes in now and Turpin comes back. If we're going to split hooker duties, at least Luke actually suits playing twenty thirty minutes off the bench. McCulloch is garbage in that role. Yeah, the only role McCulloch could do was play the first 30 and make him tackles. And it's like, at least if you got Turpin and Isaac Luke, you could flip him around whichever way you wanted to. That's it. And, and, and Luke again, yeah. angry little angry little guy and we'll put in and whatever. I don't, you know, and if he's not there next year, I don't care. It's just, this is the spot where we just sat, got left in with, after McCulloch left, Turpin got injured and then, you know, Seguiaro was supposed to be in the books, but he did he cheated. He did drugs, so... No, it actually didn't mind Pakes last week, by the way. He's just obviously he's got some development to go, but he started to, you know, have a bit better vision. If you, if you ask me, last week, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know who will start. Then like, not this week. I think this week Pakes will start. I don't know who starts next week, Pakes or Luke, but um, I'm hoping they split minutes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, right, last bit of news: Katoni uh, Stags at Dunny's Hammy might be four weeks or more. It's a grade two, so NRL physio's general indication is four weeks or more, and I hate this because if they play Glenn there for four weeks, our back line has Darius Boyd and Alex Glenn in it. If your captain can't start in his best position, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Brody Croft is starting at seven. Yeah, that's it. Like, if somehow our team has Glenn in the backs and Oates in the, fr- in the forwards, what the fuck is going on? Yep. Uh, well, I don't know. I hate that. So, I don't know why it's not Tessie New... And I don't care about being afraid of Bradman Best because, like, apart, it's like that's like when they used to put Bo Scott on GI. It's okay. 
okay, maybe you might maybe you might have made a couple of good tackles on GI, but what about the other side of the fucking ball? Yeah, it's got to score points to win games. That's it, mate. Oh well, I think that's all we got. All we've had to wrap it on about. I mean, all year you'll hear more of our agendas and <laughs> other bitching about the Broncos. I don't, I don't really feel like piling on on those other things, as, as I said earlier. So I think that's about it. Yeah, mate. I'm done too. Okay, we uh, hopefully we'll be back after the next game. Hopefully it'll be a win, and we can at least be somewhat positive. But uh, I'm my, I'm all in like Pangai. I don't know we winning this game for me. It's like Pangai enthusiasm. That's what I'm thinking. Pangai revenge game, mate. If we win this week, we're going to record about four podcasts before the weekend ends. <laughs> That's it. Well, I'm mate. I'm how silly I have time. We're not recording Boom Rookies until Sunday, though. I don't think so, mate. I'm ready to to to, to gronk off a bit with uh, if we if we win. <laughs> Righto. Sounds good. Okay, so that everyone. That's out. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.